Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. In this episode, we're going to review Newcastle's 2-1 defeat to Watford. You got the opener through Dwight Gale in the first half, but two second-half penalties from Troy Deeney meant the Magpies headed back to Tyneside without all three points. We're going to hear from our chief sports writer, Lee Ryder, who was down at Vicarage Road, Kieran Kelly, Mark Douglas and Sean McCormick. All that and much more to come on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Joined by Kieran Kelly, Mark Douglas will appear as if by magic later on in the show. Kieran, I don't know what we were really expecting today. Um, it's difficult because we were talking about uh, the players being on the beach and having their flip-flops on and Steve Bruce denied that was the case after the City game. He then said yesterday that the club weren't stagnating this season as in terms of taking their foot off the gas and yet, well, actually, you look at the first half performance and you say, actually, he was right. They came out and they, they, were, they were good. They should have been two, three goals up at half time. But then it's the old Jekyll and Hyde performance, isn't it? Because the second half was just was just terrible. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, um, I think every Newcastle fan would have been encouraged by the first half, you know, after what we saw against Man City. Um, it was just what you, you needed from them, really. Um, you know, I think there have been a lot of times where yeah, Newcastle have suffered back-to-back defeats a few times this season, but there have been times where, particularly when they've had an awful performance, they've come back pretty well. Um, you know, you think the Spurs game after the Norwich defeat in August, you think of uh, after Leicester beating Manchester United, you know, so they have that in their locker. Um, and like I said, the way they started the half, I think, um, was really encouraging. There were a couple of hairy moments at the back, uh, but you saw the value of those players who came in, you know, Lascelles. Uh, Sam Maxim and Gale of course getting the goal um, and at half time you're thinking well I think everyone knew Watford were going to come out with better they're fighting for their lives down there but um, you didn't expect Newcastle just to make it easy for them I didn't think Watford were particularly great in the second half but the the, the kind of casual nature about Newcastle was was really worrying uh, I don't think you can put it down to fatigue Um just they seem to take their eye off the ball a bit um you know and it could have been a lot worse you know you could one one of those uh real good chance Watford had <laughs> from open play uh was um Fernandez getting robbed and Dini should really put it away and then just just they found it so easy to get through Newcastle's midfield and uh they just looked so leggy and, and lacked energy and then when Bruce made the changes obviously 20 minutes to go uh, I, I thought that unsettled the back line even more you know I think three of the four defenders were on the yellow card Mankio one of them moved over to left back and three minutes later I think he, he gives away that awful penalty and um, it just it just wasn't wasn't good the second half I think um, it, it's been a, a bad week and 
I know we've discussed this before, you know, uh, the, the high of the Sheffield United game, they're brought back down to earth fairly quickly. The high of the Bournemouth game, they've been brought back down to earth fairly quickly. It's it's really been an odd restart, you know, that they had that decent unbeaten run, but um, there have been some big lows as well. And, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they go and beat Spurs on Wednesday, Spurs being so unpredictable and Newcastle just being Newcastle. But, um Oh, Bruce will be desperate for the season not to peter out because you know you look at the three games they've let Brighton away they play like they did today they'll lose against Brighton Spurs obviously at home uh, coming up first and then uh, Liverpool at home at the end of the season who you know are you know they're still beating teams even though they're champions so uh, it'd be a real shame if this season was to finish with you know more defeats you'd, you'd like to think that they can um, put it together again but um, yeah, just just a worried second half display for sure. It's not the first time that I've asked this question on the podcast. What on earth do you think happens at half time? Because <laughs> they go in, like we say, Allen's at maximum should have scored. Almiron had a decent chance as well, and 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 they were comfortable. Yes, Watford had a couple of chances, but enlarging Newcastle comfortable, and you were thinking maybe they come out, they get a second, and and they take the points back to Tyneside. Um, but, you know, they came out and suddenly it was just Watford on top nearly from the first whistle. So uh, what do you think happened at half-time? I'd love to know as well. Yeah, it's, it's um, it reminds me a bit of the Arsenal game earlier in the season. You know, I think the first half Newcastle were holding their own against Arsenal and then second half they got blitzed and you're just thinking, you know, where did that come from? I, I just think they just seem to get deeper and deeper and inviting... Watford of all teams um, on and I just thought that midfield was was brutally exposed today um, Fabian Scher I think it's he, he's played there for Switzerland but I think we all know by now um, I don't think he's he's ready to be parachuted in there um, in a Premier League game I think it's been proven now with those two displays I don't think that's an experiment that should be continued but they just just seem to kind of retreat and, and Watford had all the momentum and um, yeah, it was it was really bizarre because you look at the first half, Newcastle, uh, both from open play and set pieces were, were really dangerous and second half, they just seemed to lose their edge. Uh, I don't remember Sam Maxman really affecting the game, but equally, you can't put it all on him either. Uh, just defence offered no protection to Dubravka and really, they got what they deserved. You know, I, it, it, whenever a manager kind of criticises you know, soft penalties and that it's, you know, I don't think both of them were soft, certainly. And I think both were, were justifiably given and they have no excuses, really. That that was the game in their hands. And that will be the frustrating thing, I think, deep down for Bruce, that they, they let Watford, you know, a team near the bottom um, run right. And, you know, Newcastle looks so vulnerable against them. We'll get on to the penalties in a moment. We're now joined by Mark Douglas. Kieran there mentioned Fabian Shire, the the, the uh, experiment that's been going on. Steve Bruce, you know, explained why he picked uh, him, a uh, picked Shire ahead of Matty Longstaff, and it was for the physicality. And he, he seemed to be quite impressed with Shire's performance today. I thought Shire did not have a good game today. There was moments where he was either booting the ball long or he was being a bit careless in possession. Um, like Kieran says, Mark, an, an experiment that's gone wrong. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think I think it's a, a. For me, it feels like they're trying to 
fill a gap where I think Bruce has, Bruce has clearly felt that there's a there's a, there's a uh, you know a space there. I think he wanted a physical midfielder in uh, in January. Obviously, they went for Samara, um, and I, I, I you know I do feel that you know he's trying to do something there that, that's trying to force something really. I think shares. He's not a midfielder, is he? It's you know it, it seems strange when Bentaleb's there. He's talked to Bentaleb as well. Matty Longstaff's obviously there as well. It, it just for me, it just feels it feels like a strange one. He obviously feels that they need they needed somebody to to sort of stop what from coming onto them. But that's all that happened in the second half. So um, yeah, it was just, it was it was a strange one, and I think it sort of summed up the last week really that. You know, things have been quite promising before then. You know, they, they, they've been okay since lockdown. But, um, you know, today, selection wasn't great. I don't think they, you know, the, the subs as well. I mean, I know, I know they're, you know, I know the players look tired and um, the squad has suffered with injuries and things as well. But um, it just looked strange to me that, I mean, you know, Mike Longstaff sat on the bench. You've, you've really surely got to find it, got to find room for him. At some point, and if Bentaleb is the answer, and they're, they're thinking about bringing him in permanently, then you know this is the chance for him to play. Similar to Valentino Lazaro, you know, been talk about whether they're going to bring, they're going to sign those two players. Well, you know, they've got pretty much, as Steve Bruce would say, down to their bare bones the last two weeks, and um, you know they've not started, they've not started the two games back to back. I mean, it just feels to me that those signings were were kind of like stopgaps. To, to fill the squad and, you know, when Cher's playing in midfield over Bentaleb, then that, that, I think that tells you a lot. Um, it didn't really work. You can't say it's worked because they've lost 5-0 and to Man City and 2-1 to, to Watford today and the midfield hasn't really got a foot in any of the games. So I'm not sure it has worked really. I think Steve Bruce has just been, been um, kind to players that he's brought in. He, he never throws the players under the bus really and he wouldn't do today, but I think probably you'll know that that's not, a, that's not something that's going to, bring Newcastle long-term success in the Premier League. Sticking with Matty Longstaff, Kieran, we've spoken to Sean McCormick later in the podcast and he has his verdict on today's game and he mentioned Matty Longstaff and what Matty Longstaff must be thinking sitting there, you know, considering his future and he's watching a centre-back who um, isn't in the best of form at all, playing ahead of him and Neville Bentelab who's also fighting for his future while at the same time hearing Steve Bruce uh, you know, say we've made him a good offer, we want him to stay. And yet, you know, he's he featured for what, six, seven minutes against against Manchester City, was it? So what what do you think that does for Matty Longstaff and, and his decision which he's gonna have to make in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it's funny. I think the the game time element's got almost gone under the radar a bit in the past few months that it's almost been painted as, you know, he's a better offer from someone else and if he does leave Newcastle, it's because of that. Um, but you have to remember his, his last league start for Newcastle was January. Uh, I think Bruce, you know, deserves credit in the sense that Longstaff wouldn't be even in this situation of being a first team in the first team picture uh, if it wasn't for Bruce. You know, I don't, I wouldn't have seen Benitez. Sorry to me- to mention him, but I wouldn't have seen many other managers rather. Um, putting Longstaff in for his Premier League debut against Manchester United. It proved an inspired decision. And it's been strange what's happened since. You know, you look at today, Sean Longstaff and, and Isaac Hayden are both injured. And 
Longstaff doesn't even get on the pitch. Um, you know, he didn't get on the, the bench for the Bournemouth game. Bruce, you know, maintain it's because he was injured recently and hasn't been kind of fit enough to be thrown in. But I just think there, there were times today where it really looked like they, they missed his, his energy, that he, he really would have been someone who could have shaken it up against Watford. And, and if you're him and you're his camp and you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, a centre half's getting picked ahead of me in midfield. Um, is there a pathway here, even though obviously he, he got his chance early in the season? I mean, it, it kind of, in a weird way, reminds me of the the Pogba situation when Pogba broke through at Man United and um, there was a famous game, I think, against Blackburn where um, Sir Alex Ferguson played Rafael De Silva in midfield instead of Pogba. Pogba similarly said, right, that's that's it for me then. I'm going to join Juventus. And I don't think this is going to help Matty Longstaff um, want to stay at his boyhood club obviously even though there's a huge emotional attachment I think it almost seems like I don't know in a weird way that um, Newcastle resigned to it I, you know the the way the, the language the tone that has changed so much in recent months it's not kind of that they're hopeful it's almost putting it in his court all the time and if the player isn't playing when more senior players are injured um, when is he going to play? You know, um, it shouldn't really be put down to him to effectively sign a new contract and commit his future before he gets played. I, you know, I'd, I'd hate to think that that's the situation, but you know, you look at it and you think, what else can it be? You know, uh, he, he's been training the past week. He he should be getting minutes in a game like this. You know, particularly in the middle of the park where they're struggling so much. So, yeah, it. it it just adds another layer of intrigue to this, another saga, really. And uh, the moment you're wondering, is is it going to result in him staying at Newcastle? And the longer it goes on, you're thinking he, he's going to leave. And that'll be a real shame, but it, it's modern football, isn't it? It is indeed. One person who did return to the starting lineup today was Jamal Lascelles. Mark, I thought, you know, the difference was, was notable. We saw... Uh, him have a, a bit of a go with Danny Rose when Danny Rose failed to clear the ball and uh, Welbeck very nearly scored and I thought that was brilliant that's what Newcastle missed against City someone just kind of grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and organising that defence and it was it was great to see the captain back and, and proving his worth Yeah, I mean um, he, he clearly was a miss uh, on Wednesday in terms of his you know his uh, his leadership ability um, and I thought in the first half they actually defended they defended okay um, it, it has been a bit of a concern since this lockdown finished you know I think Steve Bruce made the point after the game didn't he that, that you know that, that uh, it was their first two penalties that they'd conceded and um, you know teams just hadn't got in and around the box um, to, to, to win penalties against Newcastle before um, before now you know they, they it, it hadn't been that kind of you know teams hadn't, hadn't been able to get the ball in behind them uh, which they did twice today. You know they've conceded a lot of goals actually since um, since we returned from um, since we returned from lockdown. Two on Sunday, five on in midweek, and now two again today. You know it's we're not used to that from Newcastle. Nine, nine goals in three games is not what we uh, not what we expected. It, it was always you know to go back to Benitez, um, which I know you know I know does happen, but it was always the short blanket analogy, wasn't it? That he said if we go more attacking, then we're going to concede more goals, and it does feel like that's what's happened. Um, and, you know, when a lot of managers, sorry, a lot of fans are, are unconvinced about the head coach, 
it is that they just don't see a squad, they don't see a man who's basically going to be able to solve that problem. And you know, you've got to say that although things have got a little bit better of late, there's still a lot of questions for Newcastle. I think today and last week, you know, we thought they'd maybe turned a corner, but you know, it'll remain to be seen in the next three games whether that whether that's sustained because the last two games have certainly offered a lot of questions. And you know, you mentioned Lascelles there. I mean, he's probably one of the players who will be retained, whatever happens. Um, but they're going to need more more in and around there. I think the problem is now you've got um, a defence, you know, five centre-backs. I think I mentioned it in midweek as well. Lejeune, you know, is, is he going to come back to the, the level that we know he can play at? He's probably their best centre-back on his day. And he's fit, but he's had two very serious injuries now and, you know, hasn't really looked the same player and he's obviously injured at the moment as well. Um, Cher, I think, has been hit and miss. I wrote a piece today saying they've got a big decision to make on him in the summer. Some interest in him. He's got only got two years left on his contract. Um, Fernandez, yep, signed a one-year extension, but again, I think they didn't think he was necessarily going to be the, the player that he's he's ended up being this season as well. So it might be that they need uh, even the centre back in the uh, in in the summer uh, when it will have a long this transfer window goes on. So, um, so yeah, but I think Jamal Lascelles will probably be the one um, who endures endures through it all. Right, we're going to take a quick break from Mark and Kieran now. What you're going to hear is Lee Ryder's verdict from Vicarage Road. At the end, a really disappointing afternoon for Newcastle United. Put themselves in a great position in the first half, 1-0 up, uh, looking really good. To be totally honest, only, the only question mark was how they weren't further ahead uh, after creating some good chances after Gale's goal. St Maximum having a, a really good one-on-one opportunity, but sadly um, denied by the goalkeeper. But... You know, second half, Newcastle just went missing, unfortunately. Uh, conceded two very cheap penalties. Um, I think the calls were probably right, but yeah, soft is probably the word to describe them. And, you know, it could have been prevented. Um, that's the thing. Newcastle have been so decent at in certain away games this season where they, they've looked rock solid defensively, uh, but they weren't able to, to do that today. So, overall, really disappointing. 2-1 defeat and you just wonder now are we just going through the motions for these last three games or is there going to be a response and you know can they um, improve those points tallies from the last two seasons uh, on this evidence no but um, hopefully there'll be a response uh, in the home game against Tottenham and then obviously they go to Brighton and finish off for Liverpool so not the easiest to finish but hopefully Newcastle are going to add to what they've got. But they'll have to be a lot better than they were today. That was pretty, pretty poor second half. Right, on to the penalties then, because Steve Bruce is adamant that they were they were soft. He felt that they weren't penalties effectively. Alan Shearer disagreed with him. I'm disagreeing with him. The first one, you can you can argue, is is less of a penalty than the second one, which is most certainly, definitely a penalty. He's, he's basically hugged them to the floor. Um but what annoyed me about the first one was the build-up. Danny Rose out of position, then he's turned far too easily. Fernandez then goes towards the ball and then essentially bottles the tackle, which then means uh, the player has the the route to run into him. Richie's then you know clipped him. Um, for you two, uh, we'll go first penalty first of all, Kieran. Um, soft penalty or? Um, I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, I think it's. Richie's not 
panicked but kind of he's, he's rushed in and when you do that you just give the ref a, a decision so I, I think it was fair enough to, to give that but out of the two of them it was the more I suppose you could make an argument but you know they, they shouldn't have got themselves in that tangle where as he said you know the defending the build up is, is unforgivable so no I think it was it was a fair call and Mark the second penalty for you oh absolutely yeah I know I know uh, <laughs> Bruce called it, a, called it a soft one I, no I thought that one was absolutely uh, nailed on you'd be I see gutted as if you were Watford and you didn't uh, and, and, and you didn't uh, you didn't get that one I mean that, that I just thought I just thought that one was you, no complaints whatsoever about that one I guess so the, the penalties and the goal mouth action that Watford had, it kind of just emphasised or kind of asks the question of what's kind of happened to that defence recently because we saw two or three opportunities where Watford, it was kind of like effectively like pinball in the Newcastle United box and there was a few deflections here and there and, you know, Craig Dawson had an air kick and, and, and Wellback had a, a weak header that, that kind of bounced over and what have you. Um Whereas a few months ago they were they were seem to be a bit or before lockdown anyway they were a bit stronger in Newcastle in defence. Is it a case that they're just tired now? You think, Kieran, and you know the end of the season syndromes coming in? You just want to say that they're not stagnating. The end of the season, you know, not on holiday. Um, never it? Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's always a shame, you know, when this has happened in previous years for Newcastle, you just think, oh. You know how how does it happen? But I think um, that argument for me, you know, the way I think the Southampton win was huge for them um, before the lockdown. You know that in effect kind of took them so much closer to safety. And to be fair to them, I think the argument that you know why weren't they on the beach when they came back? Then as a result, you know they they have pushed. Um, but I suppose when it just gets to kind of the stage where oh, let's beat the average points total of previous five years. And, you know, is that a target that's going to get players excited? They shouldn't need excitement for, for these games. You know, they're professional footballers, but it's just feeling like the season is fizzling out now. I think that goes for a lot of clubs. You know, I think it's been amazing to see how they've got the season completed, but it's kind of feeling like a, a box ticking exercise at times, particularly when your club like Newcastle are in this kind of they're so far clear of the relegation zone, but equally the gap between 10th and them is, is only going to get wider now. So they're in this weird middle pile. And I think the difference between finishing, you know, 12th and finishing 15th, yeah, there'll be a few million in it, but it is what it is, isn't it? And, um, it, it just, to me, yeah, I, there are a few players there that maybe I, I would have expected a bit more from as, as we've touched on, you know, their futures mightn't be so certain regardless of a takeover and maybe we're not seeing some players maybe take the chance uh, when they've got in the team that we would have hoped they would have and um, that's all you're really looking for in the last few games is that those players um, that come in take their chance we saw Man City so many of them didn't and really yeah it's 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 that and, and fatigue inevitably um, is playing a part but the guys who came in today you know were, were rested and are their best players so it, it's just a shame the way that second half went Mark your take on that I mean is it inevitable or do you expect more especially given that some of them are fighting for their future as well yeah I mean it, it's a really strange way to end end the season anyway isn't it because you've got 
lockdown. I think at Newcastle it's unique as well because of what's going on with the. Are we allowed to mention it? The takeover. Um, you know, it, it, the club. I mean, they've done well to come back to come straight back and get the points they needed to secure survival. Um, not that I think it was ever in, in doubt when you look at the bottom three and how they how poor they are. Um, but it, but it's been good. You know, they came back and they 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 made that point. But now it's. Yeah, the problem is Newcastle are stuck in a, a rut, aren't they? They have been all season um, of win a game. You know, you have the same people coming out and saying, oh, Rafa's doing better than... There's, Bruce is doing better than Rafa. Lose a game and everybody's on his back. The truth is somewhere in between, you know. that they're, they're, they're not the hopeless, you know, terrible side that, you know, people were, people were telling you at full time and Bruce isn't the you know, the, the, the useless manager that people were saying at full-time either, but then he's not the manager of the year candidate and the, and the this nonsense that you kind of hear from from pundits as well and and some uh, some, some people who, you know, are kind of like promoting his, his claims and stuff. It, it, the problem is for Newcastle at the moment that it, like, I think like Kieran says, there is a lack of motivation, but I think it's also, it's been a long season. Um, it's always wearing at Newcastle because, because of how, you know, it's such an intense environment um, and it's been, it's just been, I've never known it like it has been for, you know, it's almost a year now, isn't it? It's nearly a year. Well, it's, it's beyond a year since Rafa left. Um, you're talking about six or seven weeks before Rafa left. It was all ramped up and we lived in that uncertainty. And it just feels like it's been a sort of permanent depression or uncertainty, really, with a few positive moments. And, um, you know, I don't think a football club can can keep going on like that. And I think, you know, sooner or later, it sort of filters through to the players and yeah, they just look tired. And, you know, I think the whole situation at the moment, get this season finished um, and then hopefully get a takeover and start to look at a whole new era. Um, but, but while we're waiting for it, I think it's it's going to feel a bit like this, which is like today, deeply, deeply unsatisfactory if they lose like they did today as well. It's a very strange situation in, in, with Newcastle at the moment. I think we're, you know, we, we all expected it to have been done by now, this takeover and um, the games coming and and being played out. And, it, you know, it, it's looking more and more likely that, you know, it could be the end of the season. The end of the season could come and we might not have an announcement. I mean, it's, it's only two weeks, isn't it, now until the end of the season when they play Liverpool. It, you know, you've got to think with everything that we talked about in the mid in midweek where when they get the announcement, it's going to be a few more days before the money's transferred and then, you know, maybe a day or two after that before we get the full blast of publicity. So that could be another week before, even if it's on Monday, they get the announcement. It could be another week before we hear everything. So it is, it is dragging on, isn't it? But um, yeah, but you, with, with no. You do realise you're going to be top of news now again with that last statement, don't you? Well, oh God, yeah. I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? You know, the, 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 everybody, it's the only game in time. So everybody, anything everybody wants to know there's no certainty at the moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it is funny to come into work every day and see what you said on the podcast about things. I mean, I don't have the answers. Nobody has the answer at the moment. Um, and, you know, but it's portrayed sometimes as if when we say it, you know, I know all the other lads are in the same boat when they say anything on Twitter, even in reply to somebody, it's kind of, I don't know, you know, I don't think anybody knows exactly what's going on with the Premier League at the moment. Um, but it does feel like, you know, it just feels like it's going to be a few more days anyway. Well, we, we know, obviously, because it's got to the end of the week here. Um, and as far as I'm aware, there's 
not been anything said behind the scenes. I think it'll leak out as soon as it, as soon as the, uh, the 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 green light is given. Um, but but that with all that going on in the background, it, it was okay at first when the football came back because it was novelty value and you know St Maximum's been a great you know kind of story as well. And then there's been other little bits and pieces, but they've lost some of their big hitters in terms of injuries. They, you know, the Bournemouth game looked as if oh, that, that could be a bit of a platform. Unfortunately, then, you know, they had the Man City game. Um, so, yeah, it, it just, it's a very strange scenario with Newcastle at the moment, isn't it? It's really odd, uh, really odd. Um, and we just need, we just need some clarity. We do. Clarity is the buzzword. Right, to finish off then, guys, I'm going to ask for one positive from today's game. From both of you, I'm going to come to you and say, I've got it in the headlights, bro. Go on, give me, give me one positive. Uh, maybe Dwight Gale, just... Oh, I, I was going to <laughs> um, Certainly, I've, I've never necessarily thought he was, you know, the, the long-term answer, being honest, but I, I think you have to give him a lot of credit how he's he's come back in the lockdown and... He looks like a player who's just benefited from having the confidence of his manager and, and actually getting a regular run of, of Premier League starts. And that record, three goals and five league games, really good. And I think he just gives them something up front in having those poacher instincts that they've really lacked. You know, they've not had um, someone up there who, who can get those kind of tap-ins like he had today. So um, I think that's something definitely to to take forward for the rest of the season. Um, very interesting what happens in the summer because you, you would feel regardless they're going to need a, a decent, another decent centre-forward to come in. I don't know if Mark, can you still hear me because your screen is frozen? No. I think Mark ah. is gone. So <laughs> that um, he was going to pick Dwight Gale as well. Um, and then he's frozen, so maybe that's good. He's gone now. He's left the he's left the chat, which means it's the perfect time to introduce Sean McCormick, and he's given his five point verdict on the Watford defeat. Now joined by Sean McCormick. Sean, another disappointing defeat for Newcastle. And we're going to get your verdict. We're going to sum it up in just a few points, starting with the moment which you think changed the game. Um, not necessarily changed the game. Obviously. Clearly, in a two-one defeat, that's been decided on two penalty goals from from Troy Deeney. Clearly, clearly, the game's changed on two penalty decisions. But I think before that, you can point to the first half. Alan San Maximan raced through one-on-one with Ben Foster. He went over the outside of his foot, didn't get any height on the ball. Ben Foster made a brilliant point-blank save, but maybe if he can lift it over the keeper who's already committed there, Newcastle are two 0 in a half time. And to be fair, in the first half, all Newcastle were very good. Um, second half was a complete collapse, but you know if 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 they if they if Sam Maximan scores that goal, the two 0 at half time looking very comfortable. Maybe they're going home the three points this afternoon rather than you know a spectacular collapse in the second half. If we're going to be blunt about it, resulting in another defeat. It's been a, bit of a poor week for Newcastle on the whole after the Manchester City travesty. So it's a shame because I thought there was a lot of positives in the first half, but they've been wiped out by the, the second half. And so clearly the penalties, obviously Steve Bruce has, has come out and said he feels like they were soft, but I feel like soft penalties now, particularly in the VAR, VAR age, are a bit of a redundant phrase. And I don't think you can necessarily have any arguments with the penalties, especially the second one. I thought the second one was a stonewaller from Mankiel, but I mean, the first one with Richie, there's clear contact between the knees of the two players. For Minia goes down under the contact. It's a penalty. I don't see why there's any argument there. So... 
it's frustrating. I can get Steve Bruce's frustration, frustration, but they're both clear penalties. Troy Deeney's taken them brilliantly, and you know, end of day, Wofford have gone away with the three points, which on the on the balance of the second half they probably deserved. Sure, mm. he'll take the positives from that from that first half performance. So clearly, the Manchester City team that he picked the other night was dictated a lot by injuries, as, as negative as the setup was. Um, you know, and the likes of Sam Maximan and Armour coming back in to the side this this afternoon clearly had an impact in the first half, and Newcastle did look a threat going forward and. There are glimpses that there could be an exciting future, especially with those two going forward. Clearly, they've been linked with moves away, which shows that they're doing something right. And you know, Almiron's goal return since the new year has been brilliant compared to his first year at the club. Obviously, now he's the top scorer, two goals away from from uh, double figures for the season. So clearly, he he's benefiting from the from the changing system. And Sam Maximan has become Newcastle's talisman, and clearly. He's still only 23. He needs to add a bit more consistency in front of goal. But, you know, he's he's the man who's going to be the game changer. And maybe in a year's time, when he finds that consistency, he's, he takes that chance this afternoon against Ben Foster. But, I mean, the, the problem is on that front as well. Once Sam Maximad does become consistent in front of goal, providing the takeover hasn't gone through at that point, then, you know, it's only a matter of time before he goes off to a big club. As soon as he adds that consistency in terms of his end product, like we saw against Bournemouth with the three assists, if he starts doing that regularly, then it's clear that he's he's a level above Newcastle United, which is, a, I suppose, it's unfortunate for people here, but also that's the, that's the truth of the matter until Newcastle get that get the money, the funds that will transform them to the next level. But for the minute, you know, Steve Bruce will take the positives attacking wise. I suppose it's it's having a negative effect um, defensively as well, which he addressed after the game. I mean, clearly two penalties this afternoon is unfortunate, especially as Newcastle haven't haven't conceded a penalty all season, but. It's something they need to address, and you know, I feel like you know, Rafa Benitez has always used the the short blanket com- um, terminology to describe it, and not it's not necessarily the same with Steve Bruce, but you know, for all the attacking benefits, the defence has slightly, just slightly, kind of been neglected a bit, and once they address that balance and they can kind of keep that attacking um, wherewithal, then I, I suppose the, the the future is positive for Newcastle. But that second half this afternoon wasn't very positive at all the way they collapsed was was infuriating to watch and you know it, it smacked of a team not necessarily on the beach I don't think this Newcastle team would ever kind of pack it in in terms of effort the, the, the characters in that dressing room wouldn't allow it but it did seem a lot like Watford were a team this afternoon who knew a win would be a huge huge boost for them in terms of survival and Newcastle looked like a team who are condemned to mid-table if they finish in the top half great but is it a season you're going to look back on and think, oh, great, Newcastle United finished in the top half last season. Where were you then? No, of course it isn't. So it, it, just, it, it did seem like the desire was just a bit more there with Watford this afternoon and that's showed in the second half. On to United's best performer then, in your opinion? Um, I, I don't think necessarily anyone particularly stood out this afternoon. I guess the one, one of the positives you can point to is the fact that Dwight Gale's scoring goals again and it's been a while since he's done that regularly in a Newcastle shirt. Um, you know, let's, 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 let's not be around the bush. His miss against Manchester City in the FA Cup was poor and, you know, that, that completely changed that, the, the, the complexity of that quarter-final regardless of how one-sided it was if Dwight Gale scores that chance. But you can't argue in the Premier League when he started, he's scoring goals and, you know, the goals he's scoring are typical typical Dwight Gale finishes that we were so used to him seeing in the championship with us and with West Brom last season alone. And 
you know, there's always been that stigma about Dwight Gale. Is, is can he do it at the, at the Premier League level? His detractors now, after three goals in five games since lockdown, will then say, but he's doing it when there's no crowd there. So obviously that's the next challenge for him is to string these kind of goals together when there's a crowd there. But, you know, if he can continue scoring in the final three games of the season, maybe get to five or six in this, in this post-lockdown period, then, you know, all season we've been crying out for a forward who scores goals. Joe Linton hasn't produced. Andy Carroll hasn't been fit. Dwight Gale hasn't been fit. But now he's on the pitch. He is scoring those goals. And I guess that's a positive going into next season for Steve Bruce is knowing that Dwight Gale can do it at Premier League level and he's proven he can do it at Premier League level. And I, I know people may point to the day's goal being one yard out, but you've got to be in those positions and you've got to gamble. And he gambled on, on the flick on coming this afternoon. No one else followed the run. He did. He scored and he paid off from it. So you've got to give him credit for that. And you think you've got to give him credit for the goals and his performances since lockdown. As I said, the challenge is going to be doing it in front of crowds next to prove a doubt was wrong. And I'm sure Newcastle still kind of need a more consistent goal scorer going forward in the transfer market. But Dwight Gale is always going to be an option to bring off the bench, I suppose, like he did against Aston Villa in the lockdown. And he's proven his worth to Newcastle. That's in a starting position or going forward as a squad member. So what about the thing that you were most disappointed with from today's game? I mean, apart from the, the second half collapse, I think what's frustrating for us as journalists and for anyone connected with the club and the fans is seeing how this Matty Longstaff situation is playing out. I mean, by no means am I going to come on here and say that Matty Longstaff should be starting for Newcastle United every week because that would be ridiculous. Um, but, you know, he's, he's proven this season that like, he can do it at Premier League level. He scored twice home and away against Manchester United. He, he adds energy to the team when he plays. You know, he's, he's proven he, he, he's got it basically at the top level. Obviously, if you're looking at Newcastle's top two centre midfielders at the minute, you've got to say it's John Joe Shelby and Isaac Hayden by a distance. You've got to say Sean Longstaff is, brother, is ahead of him as well. But <clears throat> if you're Matty Longstaff and you're in the middle of contract negotiations with the club. You've got a contract offer for a, a decent amount of money every week. I say decent, it's going to be a complete like change of lifestyle for the lad in terms of what he's on now at Newcastle if he accepts the money that's on the table from Udinese. If you're looking at Newcastle situation now when you know, Fabian Scher, who's a defender, who is, you know, as, as good as he was last season, I think he's left a lot to be desired this season. And clearly, Steve Bruce doesn't trust him as a back, as a centre half in his back four. So he's trying to find a situation where he can play in the team by playing him in a whole midfield role because he is good on the ball. But if you're Matty Longstaff and you're hearing the manager saying that they want to keep you at the club, we've done everything we can to keep you at the club. We've given you a fantastic offer. You're you're the best player for your future is at Newcastle United, but then you're sitting on the bench every week in the Premier League where the manager's playing a centre-half ahead of you, that's not going to fill you with confidence. And I was listening to, to Jermaine Genus, I think it was actually before the Newcastle game on Wednesday, um, talking about Manchester City. It wasn't talking about Mighty Longstaff, he was talking about John Stones and his situation at Manchester City. And he related to his career when he was in England. And he, there was a game for England where he and Michael Carrick were sat on the bench. And I think it was either under Steve McLaren or Fabio Capello. And they played Ledley King, a centre-half in midfield and I can't remember who the other person was but again it was someone out of position and he was sat there thinking well what am I doing here I'm a centre midfielder the manager clearly doesn't trust me to play so what's the point of me being here and if you're Matty Longstaff surely you're sat there thinking well if the, if the manager really does want me why is a centre half playing in front of me in the centre midfield and on top of that he then brings on Nabil Bentaleb who clearly I think the gamble you know 
at the time I thought in January it's a gamble worth taking he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's got quality pedigree he's played for Tottenham he's impressed in the Bundesliga scored a few goals there I mean I spoke to a reporter when he signed from, from Schalke who raved about the, his ability on the ball so it was a gamble worth taking on loan and for a cup price agreed for you that they've agreed but clearly that gamble hasn't paid off because if you look at the way he's performed as well during the, during this loan spell he's, he's tidy enough on the ball he's good in tight spaces but is he the man that you want in a battle? I think he showed on, on Wednesday night against Manchester City that he certainly isn't the man that's up for a fight. You know, he was one of the, the first to fold in, in that midfield role. And I just think if you're Matty Longstaff looking at this situation, Isaac Hayden's injured, Sean Longstaff's injured, the manager chooses to play a centre-half ahead of you and then brings on a midfielder who's been much maligned among the fan base, who hasn't impressed. And it'll be a massive surprise if the club sign him permanently at the end of the season ahead of you. And of course, as well, there's talk this morning from our paper as well that Fabian Shea's got plenty of interest in Serie A, so it's not even, not even, sorry, there's there's a chance he couldn't be at the club next season as well. So two players who might not be at the club, who one, you wouldn't say is better than him in centre midfield, the other who isn't a centre midfielder, you've got to be looking at thinking, well, where's my future here? And as sad as it is, and he's a local lad who's impressed, you, you, you can't see this situation ending with Matty Longstaff being a Newcastle United player next season just but on the, on the basis of if, if he does have a future at the club why is he not being used? Well, I think many people would or many, many people did ask that question we look on Twitter throughout the game just finally then Sean to wrap it up your your end verdict your overall verdict of what you saw today a case of now you've said that you don't think the players are on the beach Um but they're not on the beach and their mind is not elsewhere. Is it a case that the uncertainty of obviously Bruce and certainly over the, the takeover is now starting to affect them? Because obviously the priority was get safe and then the hope would be that everything would be kind of sorted. But Newcastle are safe and we're no, we're no further along knowing about the takeover. So I don't know, do you think that played into it? Does that play into your final verdict, do you think? I think, you know, it's fair to say that the club are in a bit of a stasis right now while this takeover talk continues to, to, to rumble on and the Premier League don't make a decision it's only human nature for that to, to affect your mindset where it affects you on the pitch I don't think it does I don't think anyone running around on the football pitch is thinking oh wish this takeover would go through and it's affecting my performance but it's got to be affecting the day-to-day running of the club in terms of you know, everybody wants that clarity. Steve Bruce gets asked the question at every single press conference and clearly it's a question he can't answer, but he's the man who unfortunately gets the brunt of those questions. It's got to be playing in his mind. He's obviously seen a lot of speculation in terms of the likes of Pochettino, Rafa Benitez being linked with, with a return to the club. It's got to have to have played some sort of effect on him, whether that filters through the day-to-day training and the way he, he handles the players and tactics. Of course, that's not going to have an impact on it, but... You've got to think that that coupled with the fact that Newcastle are 13 from the Premier League have been comfortably safe for a long time now, which, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they've had a fantastic season as some pundits like to keep telling us, but it means that Steve Bruce deserves credit for that because at the start of the season, that had to be the aim. And, you know, a lot of people thought that he wouldn't achieve that. So in terms of that, you've got to give Steve Bruce credit. But with Newcastle being 13, six points off Burnley currently who are 10th, they're not going to finish in the top half or if they do it's, it's going to be a, t- a series of unlikely events to do that now there's not really much to play for and I just feel like that second half just smacked of that of Watford who have got a difficult running after the day 
needed that win to give themselves that breathing space above Bournemouth and Villa in the, in the relegation fight. And that second half just felt as if one team needed the win, had the desire to win. The other team obviously wanted to win the game, but didn't have that kind of extra gear to go into, that extra bit of motivation they needed. Because at the end of the day, are we are, are we that bothered if Newcastle finish 13th, finish 12th, finish 11th, finish 15th? No, as long as you're in the bottom half and you're safe in the Premier League, I think that's all people care about. And surely that's the way the players think as well. I'm not saying that you know that they're on the beach or anything like that, but I just think it's not only natural for, for one team to have had a bit more motivation in our second half than Newcastle did. And if, I'm, if that's going to be, if you're going to take any way, anything away from the game today and have a final verdict, I think first half was very good. Second half was very poor. Some of the substitutions, you know, the double substitution of Emil Kraft and Bentaleb coming on for Dwight Gale forward and Danny Rose just smacked of, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I'd like someone to explain the thinking behind that one because it won one 78 minutes in the clock, you know, Dwight Gale scored a goal. You know, is it, is it, is it the best thing to then bring him off for a midfielder? Not in my book, but you know, I'm sure that there was some sort of thinking behind that. But as I say, my final verdict is just simply that Watford had more desire, Watford had more rain on the game and that showed.